Welcome back to the Huddle. Mike, Max, Pete, and Nigerian talking all things sports. There's a lot of things to talk about in sports. Um, the it, Pete, I just want—I I don't want to leave that. that I, want, I want to finish the football topic here for a second. The NFL, because sure. you know, the, the the Minnesota Vikings talk conceptually about running a a three-four more than a four-three, and 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 that. Mm-hmm obviously uh, leads to the personnel that you're going to go after and how you're going to go about uh, trying to figure out who's going to play where. Explain to the audience the difference between a 3-4 and a 4-3 and, and, and does it make any difference? And, 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 and you know, what, why, would you do, why would you go to a 3-4 defense? How, how would that help you on defense that, that uh, obviously we've talked about before you know, was, was an Achilles last year? Yeah, everybody, everybody's going to have their opinion on that, Maxie. Do you want to have four guys up front that are going to be attacking the play, attacking to get after the offense? Or, or are you rather have those guys have a little bit more athleticism on the field that actually can drop back in a, in a much easier way with the, with the, uh, <clears throat> the three, four? So it's just, and every coach is going to have their own opinion, Maxie, but I think it all just comes down to talent level and what, what's hurting or what is best for you against each team because we all know. <laughs> There are teams out there that are going to come at with two tight ends and they're going to attack you that way, which I think is a really smart way to do it these days because of the fact that the defenders are getting a little bit smaller and a little bit smaller. And and sometimes when you look at some of these defenses, when you've got, for instance, you know, a 3-4, you've got a big guy up front. There's no doubt about that. But then you've got these linebackers that have got to run all over the place too and get back into into pass coverage and everything. So it's it's a different it, – it really does change, I think, week to week. And I, I actually like the idea – and a lot of these coaches, quite honestly, they might say they're in a 4-3 or they might say yeah. they're a 3-4. Let's be honest. They're shifting players around, and even if they don't put their hand down <laughs> yeah. in the dirt, they, we yeah. all know exactly what's yeah. going on. And it's and it's and it, I think each and every game is just a little bit different, and, and sure. you've got to adjust for each game and how you want to attack the, the offense depending on how – how they're coming at you. So it, it all moves around, Maxie. But the yep. reality is, if you've got the right players, they can get their hand on the ground or they can stand up and they can get back. Uh, you know, we've, we've got a lot of them with the Vikings, as a matter of fact. For sure. Joining yeah. us now, the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline, Brian Lawton. And uh, nobody knows the NHL like him with his work with the NHL Network. Of course, former player, general manager, agent, knows it all. Brian, first of all, thanks uh, for joining us. And, and second of all, uh, I remember I got this tip about a month ago saying hey man bill Guerin's really looking at mark andre Fleury if the goaltending doesn't get better uh and we got a trade deadline coming up and uh th- those rumors continue to heat up so first of all good morning second of all what do you think of Fleury? <laughs> it's the wild <laughs> well mark used to be in the firm i i ran so uh, i know a lot about mark he's a fantastic human obviously things have not gone great for the chicago blackhawks this year um a little bit of a surprise as they kind of went all in last year, trading for Seth Jones, but uh, fired a general manager, had a lot of turmoil, season hasn't turned around. It happens. Now they've got Marc-Andre Fleury, who they did acquire last year from the from the Vegas Golden Knights in the mix. And in my opinion, there's a number of teams that would love to have Marc-Andre Fleury. The Minnesota Wild would certainly should be one of them. The others, of course, would be Toronto. The Maple Leafs having all kinds of trouble. The Edmonton Oilers, same deal. And then the Vegas Golden Knights, the team Mark came from, currently without their starter, Robin Lehner, and in jeopardy of missing the playoffs. So uh, there's going to be some competition if the Wild want to go that direction. I would go that direction if it were me, Mike. 
Cam Talbot and Kakinen have played well, but for me, you're talking about another level. You're talking about a guy that's capable of uh, grabbing your locker room, leading your team, and leading you literally all the way to the Stanley Cup final somewhere he's been four times already in his career. Well, Brian, Brian, thank you, and, and thanks for joining us, by the way, and we really do appreciate that. And speaking of goalies, how about, how about that? Did, have you ever seen anything like what we witnessed last night with Mankato State and that situation that went on, and it was, I think they said, about an hour before they actually made some of the decisions. Have you ever seen anything like that in your days of hockey? I have never seen anything like that, to be honest with you. <laughs> And, and that hopefully was, won't see it again. But you know, you get the re the replay and all that stuff. But but the replay is supposed to get done real quick, and this got complicated, uh, I guess, Brian. It, it certainly did, and I have to have complete transparency with you guys. I have not seen it yet. I am in. I have not either. I've just heard deadline. about. It. Yes, I'm engulfed in the trade deadline. I am up to my ears and elbows, and you know what. <laughs> as we try to get a bead on all the things that will be happening before 3 o'clock tomorrow Eastern. And uh, we've got a little more action than I thought on our end. Uh, last night alone on the air, the Giroux trade came down, of course, the Wiles trade as well. And uh, then Hampus Lindholm and uh, his rumored new extension with the Boston Bruins. So we, we've had a busy time here, and it's only going to get busier but personally, I love this time of the year, and uh, I'm really fascinated to see what the Minnesota Wild end up doing. Uh, let's just say that everybody stays the same right now, or in general. Uh, who's the best in the West right now? Who who do you fear the most uh, in, in the West, if you're the Wild or anybody else? Uh, well, right now, the team to beat in the West is clearly Colorado. They've made their moves. Uh, I thought Joe Sackett did some really nice shopping, got a little bit ahead of it went out and got Josh Manson, who I think is exactly the type of player they need to maybe change their fortunes in the playoffs so that they can hopefully make it to the Stanley Cup final. They certainly have a roster that looks like it should get there, but fortunately for the Wild and everybody else, we still have to play the games and see how it works out. So, uh, But they're the team to beat. The Calgary Flames, for me, are second. Errol Sutter's been amazing. Um, but then after that, it's really wide open, and I would put the Minnesota Wild into that next group of teams in the West that have a strong possibility to make it to the Stanley Cup final. Hey, Brian, I'm curious because uh, I was I was reading something about you, and then all of a sudden I, something I didn't know, which was that you, you came up with a proposal. This is going back in time a little bit, but, but to, to be a part of the Tampa Bay Lightning and, and to show them how that they, they can do things right and they, they read it, and the next thing you know, you were you're part of that. Tell us a little bit about that. What made you decide that you wanted to do that, and, and specifically with the Lightning? Uh, you know what? I always wanted to do that. It was very planned. I was running, uh, you know, I played for essentially 10 years, about 500 games in the league. Then I retired, uh, had some clients right away. I used to be a player rep, so people used to ask me questions, and a number of players when I was playing had asked me to represent them. I uh, couldn't do that back then, of course, as a player on the team. I, I used to explain to guys, I don't think I can go talk to the GM for you. I have my own issues I have to deal with daily. So that, that won't Especially with Louie. I don't think I can go talk to the GM for you. I have my own issues I have to deal with daily. So that, that won't Especially happen. with Louie. Uh, yeah, right, exactly. 
But uh, the day I retired, I literally had about five different clients across the league. Uh, God bless them. My first NHL client was Tom Curvis, Mike, who I know you know well. And yeah. You know well of our of our friendship. But, uh, yeah, so I went on to start an agency and uh, started a small agency, sold it to a global company, ran that for a number of years. And then one day I just I just felt like it was time. That agency was representing over 100 players in the league at the time, not just clients, but in the NHL. And uh, I, I told my wife I wanted to make a change. And she's like, well, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm going to go run a team. Hmm. So I went and I met with the commissioner of the NHL, Gary Bettman at that time, still saying today, of course. And uh, I said, Gary, I'd like, really like to do this. What do you think? And he said, well, you know, you're, you're representing players. That's always complicated. I said, okay, say no more. I left that meeting. I went home. I called my company and said, I'm going to be resigning in the next six months. So let's figure out how I transition out of this. And they said, well, where are you going? I said, I'm going to go run a team. They said, which one? I said, I have no idea. <laughs> and uh, that, <laughs> that's a true story. I ended up getting a job about eight months later. Uh, managing the lightning. And yes, I did have a lot of free time in between that period. And it allowed me to kind of get all my thoughts down on paper and out. And I was able to utilize that presentation to the lightning and getting hired by them. Um, one thing I've always felt comfortable with is macro plans. And I think that really helped me. Our, our macro plan was pretty clear in Tampa. It didn't work out great for me personally. But when you look at the players we drafted, Stamkos, Hedman, uh, the roster that we cleaned up, uh, that team was dead last when I was hired. And uh, I got let go after two years, and I didn't really get let go. I just did not get my contract extended. And that following third year, they ended up finishing eighth overall in the National Hockey League, and everybody knows what the Lightning have done over the last 10 years. It's been incredible. Uh, Steve mm -hmm. Eisenman took over, did an amazing job. Uh, and really built off of things that we started. But Stamkos and Hedman are still meaningful players for them, and they are the two-time Stanley Cup champion. Yeah, boy, I guess. Brian Lawton, our guest, the John Schuster called the Banker Hotline. What's it like right now? Put your GM hat on, Brian. If you're Bill Guerin, uh, you're fielding a number of offers. Have you pretty much honed in on, we've got, you know, in this case, uh, it is, we've got maybe Fleury is the only thing we go after. And, and, and how, how do you, you know, what do you ascertain here when you decide to make a deal in the last uh, last minutes? Well, first off, Billy's doing an amazing job, and he's done an amazing job since he's taken over the club. To be honest with you, I really like um, the attitude and, and the aggressive approach that he's taken. He made massive moves, as everybody knows, in Minnesota by letting, you know, Parisi and Suter go, buying those guys out. Uh, that was huge. That's not easy to do for a general manager. The team has done nothing but play better and better and better since then notwithstanding a bump in the road that they had recently here, um, they are a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. Where do they go from here in terms of what moves? Well, the goaltender is one that I feel strongly about, but that doesn't mean Billy Garrett does. I just think that uh, the enticement of a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury, if there were any possibility to get him, you would want to do that. Nobody knows for certain. I haven't asked Mark if he would want to go to the Minnesota Wild. Um why wouldn't he want to? Well, he's a veteran player, and 
Chicago has been very clear that they're not going to trade him anywhere. He doesn't want to go. He wouldn't have to play anyhow. He could always just retire. So that's just one technicality. I do think he would go there, though. I think Billy would have to sell him on it. Um, that's just the way the National Hockey League is. If That would be priority number one. Number two, I wouldn't do much with the forward group, believe it or not. The Minnesota Wild, very quietly, have six guys that will – for sure, score 20 goals this year. That's really strong throughout the NHL. That ranks up there with the top of the top. Really, they have seven when I consider how well Matthew Boldy has played. And even though he only has 12 goals, he's missed 30-plus uh, Yeah, you prorate that, right? Season. Exactly. So they've got seven you know, really uh, capable forwards on their team. That's strong throughout the league. I like their forward group. It would be nice to add maybe one more center. Freddie Goudreau's played really well for them, but uh, maybe one more guy that could fit that role is something that would certainly help them. That's a pretty big ask in this UFA market, but I would imagine they're looking seriously at that, maybe one more forward. But for me, I've always had one really strong prevailing thought about the wild and their D has carried them for essentially the last seven or eight years. Uh, at one point I was talking to Craig Leopold and, and he said, well, what, what do you think about our team? Brian? What should you do? I said, improve your D. He said, improve our D. Our D is terrific. I said, it is, but whenever you can make it better, you can never have a good enough D. Uh, one more player back there, I think would really help them just to strengthen their third pair. I like their top four. Uh, a guy that comes to mind for me would be, and you have to think outside of the box at this time of year because prices have been crazy, but there's a guy in Buffalo, Colin Miller, that's got 30 playoff games already in his career. He's been injured for the last month and a half, just played his first game. I'm sure Buffalo's trying to trade him. I think they'll have a hard time doing it. I think he would be dynamite for the Minnesota Wild mm -hmm. in that third pair. He's not very expensive probably wouldn't have to give up much for him uh, in the end. It's a deal you'd sit on to the last, you know, half hour tomorrow before the deadline, and you might just come up with a really valuable player. Um, but other than that, I, I love the Wild. You know, Kaprizov has been a game changer. Zuccarello has been awesome. Joel Erickson has exploded. Uh, there's just a lot of things to like about their team. Well, you have been, too. Appreciate your insights and taking us places that we can't go without you. So thank you for all you're doing. I know you got a lot to do here. The next, We'll be watching the NHL Network break it down. But, Brian, always appreciate your offerings and, and the breaking it down into uh, layman's terms we can all understand. So thank you so much for giving us some time this morning. Thanks, Brian. Always my pleasure to come on with you guys. Thank you very much. You bet. Brian Lawton, nice enough to break it down for us. More when we come back on The Huddle.